Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another webinar presented by Lois Law Firm. Uh, today, we're doing a question and answer regarding the Fund for Reopen Cases in New York. Um, as you're aware, there was a landmark case last month, and the board has issued a bulletin as of last week indicating how they're going to proceed based on the decision. Um, I'm here today with, uh, my name is Declan Gorley. I'm an attorney here, associate at Lois Law Firm, and to my right is Tashia Razul. And as you'll see, there's contact information. If you have any questions throughout the webinar, um, you can shoot an email to us or feel free to give us a call. If you have any difficulty hearing us today, feel free to call in at the phone number listed in the handout. You should be able to hear us. You won't be able to see us, obviously. This is not part of our regular webinar series. This is kind of an impromptu thing based on the fact that the uh, board has responded to the Supreme Court or the appellate division case from last month. Um, as you know, we run webinar series for both New York and New Jersey. Our New York webinar series is the third Monday of the month, and the New Jersey webinar series is on the fourth Monday of the month. You can sign up for that through our website, lois-llc.com. And this is all part of the things that we do here in terms of reaching out to the workers' comp community. We have handbooks. We have the Lois Law Firm website, which is updated regularly with um, articles. We also have this, obviously, webinar series. And feel free to sign up for our newsletter, which um, sends out regular updates in our articles to those who have signed up. And I'm going to let Ms. Uh, Razul begin with discussing uh, 25A and the closure. Hi, everyone. Um, so to begin with, we'll just go over some uh, lingo. Um, because we'll be using terms interchangeably to refer to the same thing. So you'll hear us talk about the special fund for reopen cases. We'll probably mention 25A fund. Um, we'll probably also mention reopen case special fund. But the most common of all is just simply special funds. Now, to give you a little bit of a background, what exactly is 25A? I know this may have been off our radar for a little while because of some recent developments, but it's now back in the radar. So let's go through what exactly is 25A. So 25A refers to the actual statute, and this statute provides a special fund for transfer of liability from an insurance carrier for cases that are old or stale and that are being reopened. Uh, special funds was... Um, created to relieve uh, insurance carriers of these uh, old, um, really old claims. And the funding was uh, from the insurance premiums that were being paid by the uh, insurance carriers or the self-insured uh, employer. Now, what exactly does the fund pay? In order to transfer, in order to transfer a case to special funds, um, there must be certain criteria met. So the first one is when more than seven years have elapsed from the date of the injury or the death and more than three years have elapsed from the last payment of compensation. So it's important to note that payment of compensation refers to indemnity payments. It does not refer to medical payments. One of the other issues that must be uh, addressed and a criteria that must be met in order for a case to be transferred to special funds is that there must be true closing. In fact, in all of the cases that are being litigated with respect to whether special funds liability uh, applies, true closing is the most litigated aspect of it. 
And the reason is because the statute does not provide clear guidance as to what exactly a true closing is. We may want to think that the judge marking the case no further action or closed means true closing, but it absolutely does not. Some examples of uh, where cases are, were not truly closed, even though there haven't been development for years and years. Let's just say, for example, the judge directed the carrier to produce a C-240, a wait statement, and then marked the case no further action, closed. The C-240 may or may not have been produced, but no action was ever taken on it. For example, the average weekly wage was not set, awards were not made. In that particular case, it would be found that the case was never closed. That's because at the time of the last hearing, there was contemplation of further proceedings. Another example is, let's just say the judge tells us to uh, produce permanency reports. Carrier and claimant, go ahead and produce your permanency reports. Mark the case, no further action. That would also be a situation where there was no true closing because the issue of permanency was not addressed. So in addressing the cases and trying to identify them to see which ones are ripe for special funds liability, in addition to the seven-year and three-year requirements, we must go through the file with a fine-tooth comb and see whether exactly it was truly closed. Now, there were some recent developments over the past two years. The special funds was closed uh, in 2013, and as of January 1st of 2014, Insurance carriers and self-employed insurers were no longer allowed to file for special funds relief. Um, however, uh, if those were if they were filed prior to December 31st of 2013, the, the courts were still litigating. So you may have seen cases which were being litigated like just a couple of months ago, but those are the ones that were filed before the closing deadline. Since the closure of the fund, there's been some really interesting development regarding this issue. And Declan's going to go over those with you. So we had a webinar about two weeks ago when we discussed this landmark case, American Economy versus the State of New York. Uh, it was decided on April 14, 2016. And basically a group of uh, private insurance carriers in New York filed claim arguing that um, the board's amendment was unconstitutional. And the, the court ruled that... They agreed with the insurance company, ruled against the state, finding that carriers were exposed to new legal consequences based on the amendment that they couldn't have potentially been aware of at the time that they paid their premiums prior to October 1st of 2013. So this case purely pertains to claims or policies that were in effect prior to October 1st, 2013. The board ruled, or the court ruled, that these carriers had inadequate res uh, reserves Based on the change, they were anticipating that they would at some point in the future be able to shift liability to special funds. And by the uh, board implementing this uh, amendment for closing that ability to shift liability, that this was not something that they would have been aware of and been able to prepare for. So the court ruled that this was a constitu constitutional taking that was, and disallowed the amendment. And basically, um, based on the ruling, um, policies that were in effect prior to October 1st, 2013, this amendment was unconstitutional. And if you had a policy in effect prior to October 1st, 2013, theoretically now, based on this decision, you should be able to shift liability to the special funds. Now we're going to um, take some questions from anybody that has any questions. But before we get into that, we'll just 
briefly reflect on what um, the, so the last time we met, we weren't sure how the board was going to respond to this, whether they were going to hold these applications in abeyance, whether they were going to proceed to address them. We had a feeling that they weren't going to address these cases, that they were going to file an appeal. So the, the board actually issued a bulletin last week on May 4th. It's on the board website. It's the most recent subject bulletin, basically indicating that the board or the state um, is appealing the lower court's decision. It will imp implement a stay on that decision basically saying that we're appealing this to the Court of Appeals. We don't agree with the, court, uh, the appellate division's decision. We don't think this was unconstitutional. We think the appellate division was wrong. Um, we do want this amendment to be upheld. Um, and in the meantime, any applications that are being filed for special funds or re relief by special funds, those applications are going to be held in abeyance. And we fully anticipate that that uh, wait is going to be at least a year and a half, possibly two years before the board starts addressing these uh, pending application. So if you haven't filed your application for 25A relief yet, we do recommend um, getting them in. We don't recommend waiting. We're not sure if the board's going to address them in the order that they receive them. But um, And it's possible that if the Court of Appeals comes back and finds in favor of the state that the amendment should, is constitutional, that these uh, applications will never be addressed. Right. But we do feel that the um, appellate division had, strong, had a strong basis for finding that this amendment was unconstitutional. Um, I do think there's a good chance that this is going to be affirmed and that this amendment will be ruled to be unconstitutional. And at some point in the future, uh, the board will be addressing your 25A applications. Mm -hmm. I agree, yes. So with respect to questions, um, well, we have one person telling us that there was no volume. Um, and the volume had dropped off. But uh, as I said earlier, if you can't hear this right now, presumably we won't hear these instructions, but you can also call into our handout number. Um, we, did, we did receive a, a couple of questions via email once the board issued the bulletin last week telling us uh, that, they were holding, that they would be holding applications in abeyance. So, um, Tashi, if you want to answer the first question that was sent to us. Sure. The first one is, what is the impact of the appeal? Should we still apply to reopen? Uh, that is, file an RFA-2 and claim Section 25A relief in any case that would qualify. And as Declan uh, explained, we do recommend uh, filing the RFA-2. And by the way, the RFA-2 would be the way you um, make the application to reopen the claim. You file the RFA-2 along with an explanation that you feel that the claim has um, met the criteria and that is sufficient to, uh, as, as an application for reopening. So as long as the requirements have been met and there was a policy in effect prior to October 2013, definitely go ahead and uh, submit that application to the board. At least it's, it'll be in there, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens next. And just to be clear, I know there were some questions last time regarding the date of accident versus the date the, of the policy. The uh, important thing coming into play is the October 1st, 2013, as long as the policy was in effect prior to that date, that's when carriers paid their premiums with the anticipation that the fund would still be available. After October 1st, 2013, they were aware the fund was closed. Therefore, they were able to prepare that there would be possible exposure in the future. So as long as your policy was in effect prior to October 1st, 2013, if the injury happened sometimes thereafter, you would still be able to file for 25A relief. Um, the next question we received was, should we, we still move to shift exposure on cases closed under Section 32 where medical remains open? It's our position that if you uh, settle the case indemnity only more than three years ago and you meet the criteria for uh, 25A relief, that 
if it's been three years since indemnity payment was paid by way of settlement, that you should certainly be uh, seeking to um, shift exposure. Like I said, we don't expect that they'll be addressing these for at least a year and a half, two years, but it won't hurt to get those applications in now. Right. And um, can, the next question is, can we still seek 25A relief from the special fund where we didn't file before? Uh, of course, if the claim meets all of the criteria, the three-year, the seven-year criteria, and the true closure, and um, the issue was never litigated, the policy, the carry had a policy prior to October, October of 2013, absolutely go ahead and uh, file that application for special fund liability now. Um, we have another question that says, what about cases where we were ruled not to have a right to relief? Should we file in those cases? Well, this decision doesn't allow us to go back, and if a case was litigated to, full, to a full and final decision where there was no appeal filed, if the board already ruled that 25A liability does not, that there should be no shift that doesn't apply, um, this does not give us a right to go back and relitigate those cases. That's certainly not what this is saying. Um, but if there was, uh, I, I know for a fact that we've had cases where the board indicated that it wasn't yet right to raise uh, 25A that we could refile, that's a situation where we would certainly be recommending that you could refile now or file for the first time now. But as far as uh, if you filed a, uh, if you had filed an application and the board issued a decision, whether it was a board panel decision or a reserve decision, and you didn't appeal it any further, um, you certainly do not have recourse now to go back and relitigate something that's already been determined. Correct. Mm -hmm. So the question that we have from Gina is, while under appeal with the stay, uh, do we recommend a full and final settlement uh, in the pr settlement, and will 25A apply? Um, that's going to be a business decision that you're going to have to make. Um, obviously, for the, this is going to be pending for approximately the next two years. Um, it's purely a business decision whether you want to take the risk and settle the case now, or if you want to wait and see if you're going to be able to potentially get off the hook um, in the future. If special funds is reopened and the amendment is found to have been unconstitutional, you may have a recourse in the future to get um, that liability off your books without settling a case. So I think that that would certainly be on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, and how likely you think that this uh, case, the Court of Appeal is going to rule in our, in our favor or the uh, private insurance for carrier's favor. Right. I agree. It's absolutely a business decision. I mean, some carriers do not want to wait another two years to close out the case, it might be more cost-effective to just close it out now. You're saving on any uh, payments you're making, legal fees, and so forth. So you might want to consider closing it out. And the claimant might not want to wait for another two years to see what's going to happen anyway. So the claimant might be interested in a full and final settlement. And, of course, it would, it would also depend on what the value of the case was. If you're talking about potential future exposure of $500,000, that's a significant amount of money versus if they want to settle now for... Uh, Twenty or thirty thousand right. dollars, then that's something that you want to take into consideration. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's all the questions that we have for today. Uh, if you think of anything else afterwards, or you didn't have a chance to get something sent in while we were uh, live at this webinar, feel free to uh, either email us, um, send, contact us through by phone. And I'm trying to get back to our <laughs> next topic for ne the webinar for next month. Our regular uh, New York series continues on Monday. May 16th, uh, Common Defenses, and June 20th, we're going to have the, our webinar on what is the going and coming defense. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. All right. Thank you.